to another episode of Paranormal the New Normal. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy, here trying to make the world seem a little more normal, but these days that's damn near impossible. But my guest today, he may help with that because he has a normal side of things and he has a paranormal side of things and they kind of blend. So maybe we could help with that today. And my guest this week is Jason Zook, who is the social psychic, which we're going to dig into what that means more in a minute. But first things first, how are you doing tonight, Jason? Good, Jeremy. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. I, as soon as I saw your profile, I'm like, oh, I got to get him on. <laughs> like he's, he seems, he seems like an interesting person to me. So I definitely got to get him on too. But hey. my, oh, go ahead. No, that's me deleting something that doesn't need to be there. My apologies. Or, okay. <laughs> but my, fir- my first question is always in this show, what got you into the paranormal slash spiritual world? I was born into it. <laughs> um, I'll say that simplistically, but my grandmother was a psychic, intuitive person. And my mom, coming from a single parent family, I grew up with my grandparents and my mom on my mom's parents' side, you know. And my whole life, I always had deja vu moments as a child. And I always asked, why do I feel like I've done this before? And my grandmother always said, you know, keep it hush, keep it to yourself. But you're probably getting something from a intuition or you know she didn't call it psychic she always said intuitive or intuition and then over time i figured out that like even though i trained to be a lawyer went to law school to college all that stuff uh, there was an intuitive thing that i knew about my mom has it my brother has it people in my family have it like it's just something that i kind of ran from for a while in other words when my grandfather died in 2004 i was by myself and i didn't expect a paranormal experience that happened the night of his death when orbs of light came to me in a hotel room, but that's what happened. And he reassured me and he told me I'll be okay. And nothing, you know, from that point on, I knew I was a medium and I knew that I had some type of thing. I just didn't know what to make of it for a while. It took me about 10 years. Which is not, it's not a normal thing for that to happen from what I've been told on this show multiple times. Like it's just, it takes time to develop these skills and, I mean, I personally have had psychics tell me that I have these skills. I just haven't developed them yet. And I'm like, well, I've been alive 34 years. Can they come around anytime soon? Like, like... person to person, like my mom, she's 76. God bless her. And she didn't realize she was, she didn't call herself psychic intuitive until she was 73 when she was on a flight with me going to New Jersey three, four years ago. And she asked me to read someone between us. And I was reading the person. My mom said she picked up everything I said. And it took her 73 years to realize those hunches weren't just hunches. They were actually information coming from spiritual sources. So it varies. You could be 50 and have a, a spiritual awakening or five. God help those five-year-olds. That's all I got to say. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're going to not know what's going on. But, and actually, I've done a couple, I've done a couple of episodes about that, about how to, with guests who were experts on how to raise kids with intuitive abilities. So. Oh, yeah. It's a process. Oh, it's a process. And it's a, it's a very fascinating topic though. Kids with that ability. I mean, it's not like, it's not all like the sixth sense where it's just, I see dead people. I see dead people. Yeah. 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 It's, it's more mainstream than that. And it's not as, you know, it doesn't seem as they call it, you know? Yeah. It can be a very sensitive topic though. Some parents of course want to hush hush the kids and like tell them to keep it a secret for as long as possible. Other ones, 
I almost want to say the good parents nurture the kid's gift and teach them how to use it properly. But or if they don't know how, find someone who does know how. But <laughs> either way, those are some of the people I talked to in the past about that. But so born with the ability. Well, the second question I ask everybody is, have you had any experiences with with ghosts, spirits, anything in the paranormal world kind of? Every day. Aliens. Every day. <laughs> I'm, I'm, when I say that, I mean, like, if I give a reading to someone, I pick up on their deceased loved one, then that's obviously contact with the other side. And I do that regularly as a, a side thing outside my legal job, which I would say I'll be offering less now because I'll be busier with my new job. But and then the alien thing, I mean, my best friend who I do shows with, uh, her name is Megan Kane. We have a new podcast coming out called Psychic Visions. She actually has a ranch that I went to her ranch a few years ago and saw my first UFO. Never expected that while stargazing. So I've had some experiences with that. I believe I simplify it by saying we're spiritual beings living in a physical world. And if you think of all of us as spiritual, then me being able to read energy or you know, have some type of connection that the traditional explanation doesn't fully cover it, in my opinion, then there needs to be an updated explanation. And so that's how I kind of go. I, I say, yeah, we all have spiritual experiences. And a lot of us have moments where we are like scratching our heads going, did that just happen? And the answer is yes, it just happened. Which makes sense. I mean, it does make sense. And, but well, I guess let me phrase it this way though: Have you, do you ever see them in actual like physical form, the spirits that you see, or do you just hear them? Uh, well, you're asking. So basically, when I pick up on on spiritual stuff in a reading, for example, I get all five senses that pop psychically. So I'll get a vision. My clairvoyance is very strong. Um, hearing them, I'll hear them sometimes with certain things they'll say, but. Human words can't really adequately explain what a spiritual experience is like because it's like apples and oranges. You can't really describe something from a point of reference. And I'll give you an example. I believe that our bodies, our body, our physical bodies are our limitations in this lifetime where we get around like avatars, but we're limited in our ability to comprehend and understand things. And I feel like when you take the afterlife, you no longer have those limitations. So it's a really big difference in terms of what you can pick up on and sense and do in the afterlife compared to being here and now in this 3D world. So if you were to look at like how do, how do we approach like when we when we cross over the spiritual side of things, you could be in five different places at once as a spirit because time doesn't exist on the other side and you're not your pure energy. And, it, and, and, and I believe that over time, our scientific understanding of how energy intersects in our lives and the spiritual side of things is all going to come together in the next 15, 20 years. There's going to be a discovery made, for example, I believe that when the body uh, ceases to exist at the spirit and there's a separation, we call it death. You'll see the actual separation of the spirit from the body. And there'll be some type of thing that'll pick that up on a deeper level than we ever imagined. That's the kind of stuff I see happening in the future. Okay. I mean, and actually I, I've talked to a lot of people who agree with that. And I mean, I've been told there's a great spiritual awakening that's happening in the world as of right now. And some people say it's been the last five years since like 2017 ish. And other people say it's been since 2012, which you happen to mention to me off camera, something that happened to you in 2012. And I kind of, in my head, linked the two things together in a way. So yeah. 
I had a premonition dream. If you want me to talk about that, I can say that I had a I had a dream in 2012 when I was trying to figure out what my relationship is with spirituality in my life before I was ready to be open about being psychic. And I just wasn't there yet. But I had a dream that I was in a bar and it was a, a futuristic dream at the time in 2012. I was in this bar crowded with a lot of people and I was asking around, like, who's here? Who's here? And a woman with uh, Dreamcatcher earrings, little feathers on her earrings. She turned her head and I just saw her profile. She was blonde and I just saw part of her face. And she said to me, oh, Jason's with the social psychics here. He's filming for a show and he's reading people. And this is before I even did anything openly. And I was like, oh, Jason's with the social psychic. And I woke up and the reason I go by Jason's with the social psychic is my grandfather's last name is Zukovich. When you abbreviate it, it makes sense that I would call myself that. So I got my name and what I called myself from a futuristic prophetic type of dream that just kind of like now seems like it's coming true in certain ways that I am. I do have a show. That's before I even knew I was podcasting. And so things happen, I think, sometimes that can give us kind of glimpses of our future self, whether or not we choose to pay attention to that as a different matter. But Right, which that makes that makes sense. And I just thought it was kind of curious. The 2012 thing kind of lined up with what a lot of psychics and mediums have told me. About oh, yeah, the Mayan calendar. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of them think that has to tie into like, it wasn't the end of the world. It was yes. the end of the world that we knew, kind of. And it the shift, an more. energetic shift, basically, right? In our existence and our connection with one another in the universe. Exactly. Which, how the Mayans knew about that, God knows. But, I mean, they, I, I think it's extraterrestrial in origin, but that's just me. You know how many ancient alien episodes I watch? I'm totally, in a, <laughs> I've been deeply entertained by all that. Uh, I, I, I love the idea of ancient aliens, but I can't watch that show if you pay me. Like it just, it's it's so much what if and not like yeah. ever any ever any ever. It, I'm sure it is, and I always said I want to sit down one day and just watch all of it, but I just you know never enough time in the world. <laughs> but especially doing a especially as you know being a podcaster, there's never enough time in the world for anything. <laughs> but yeah. all right, so and. I saw this on your profile on the site that I found, John. You unfortunately had cancer, or might still have it. I don't. Um, I think I you had did it, it in 2018, and I had a cancer scare recently, but found out it's not cancer. So technically, I'm cancer-free four years now, which is amazing. That's a great thing. Thank you. But you knew you had it before doctors diagnosed you with it. Yeah, I'm kind of curious uh, about that. Yeah. So March of 2018. Uh, I was at my job. I worked for myself at the time and I went downstairs to take a break. And I walked past this picture window that's a dry cleaners at this time still is. As I walk past the window, I'm like looking at my clothes, seeing if I'm wrinkled or what. And my clothes are not wrinkled. They're, you know, got them from the dry cleaner. So I have a press shirt on and my pants are pressed and I'm appreciating a nice spring morning, almost spring morning in Tampa. And then I look at myself in the mirror and all of a sudden, I'm no longer looking at my clothes being wrinkled or whatever. I all of a sudden say to myself, a voice pops in my head and says, wouldn't it be weird if you had cancer and didn't know it? And I did like a, a, a retake of that altogether, kind of shook myself out of that, of that idea and it came back. Wouldn't it be weird if you had cancer in your body and didn't know it? And I knew like, why am I getting this message? I must have cancer. And I just said it so nonchalant, matter of fact, no emotions involved. So I remember going upstairs and talking to the people I worked with at the time um, and told them. And then I told family members and friends and I left it alone for a few months. And then 
five months later, I went in for a CAT scan for my diverticulitis surgery. I was supposed to arrange. And my doctor calls and says, listen, um, I know you have to do your surgery for your diverticulitis. You've been plagued by that for 15 years. But before you do that, you have cancer. I was like, oh, I do? Yeah, you got to meet with a urologist. I had stage one kidney cancer on my right kidney. And so I chose to do a cryoblast. It took about two months between the time of diagnosis to actual surgical procedure. So in that two months time, I went through a lot of processes in my mind as anyone who deals with a cancer diagnosis, even category one, you know, stage one would uh, have to go through the mental hurdles of that. And it's interesting because fast forward to this year. And when I thought I had a cancer scare for a few months, I went through that mental process again, the whole process of preparing yourself for a diagnosis. And they call it scan anxiety, by the way, if you're a cancer survivor, and if you show up, something shows up on a scan, like in this case, I went for a kidney stone and they found what appeared to be a growth on my same kidney in the same place. And I had anxiety for a few weeks because I had to wait about a month to get my MRI done. And, you know, anyone who's a cancer survivor, I'll say kudos out to you because going through that experience myself, I was totally unplanned because you never control your health and your prognosis with something like cancer. But to think for a while, you might have it again and to deal with that kind of anxiety from it. It, uh, it really gives you a reset, a recharge to kind of make you appreciate that you're alive and that, yes, you might be cancer three for four years, for example, on my boat, but there could be a quick thing that can happen to turn that around and make me remember exactly what it felt like to deal with the diagnosis in the first place. So it's like even when you're out of the cancer world of having it, that diagnosis could always haunt you and come back. And so I guess that's one of the things I'll say as a cancer survivor is I never expected that on a minute's notice, I could have everything flip upside down, but that's what this is like. It's like living with a blessing, but also understanding that there could also be the South side of that. Like if something happens and you get a diagnosis and you may have to make pretty quick decisions. So it really changes how you look at life. I can imagine. I mean, well, I actually, I can imagine because uh, my father, rest in peace, what was a, he had, can he had um, cancer. I forget what it's called always, but he had cancer in uh, college, uh, stomach cancer. I forget what it's called always, but sure. he, something, uh, I'm not you know what, but... I don't even remember the terms too well, I know. explain it to a point, but I learned all this stuff as I got diagnosed with it. And I was like, oh, what does one, two, three or four mean? I'm used to hurricanes. So I can say category, yeah. that's how you heard me say category one by accident. I'm used to, I do that for my day job. I, I sue insurance companies and I say category one force wins, not stage one cancer. It's a, it's, it's a whole way of looking at it in, in yeah. a but for your dad, God bless him for dealing with that. I know it takes a lot. And yeah, he, he, you know, he went through, he went through that in college and unfortunately it did cost him his life in 2017, about 40, 50 years, 40 years wow. later because 50 years later actually because um the actually no not 50 years later could be 50 years later so, i don't know 30 years later something like that but because uh the the radiation destroyed the saccharitis heart and he mm -hmm. couldn't survive after having heart surgery so wow. so i mean it did take his life it just took a long time to do it sure but, we're all dying every day right and that's the other thing basically like so many of us who have diagnoses think, oh, wow, it, like people on the outside look at you and say, well, you're dealing with this diagnosis. It's got to be hard. Yeah, it's hard, but we're all dying inside. But that doesn't mean we're dying, dying. It just means our bodies are aging and that yeah. we're ascending to that next level. And we're getting, you know, that's how I believe it works. Exactly. I mean, 
it's the same thing when my girlfriend, my mom, my wife, God, she's going to kill me if she hears this ever. <laughs> but my wife gets at me all the time for like the amount I drink or everything else. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm fated to die the day I'm going to die at the time I'm going to die. Nothing is going to change that. So if it's going to be from drinking, it's already fated to happen. So I, why would I stop? <laughs> like That's my, that's my mindset on all of it. I understand that. I understand like, that wholeheartedly. But, so it seems like having cancer almost positively impacted you in some ways. I mean, majorly sure. positively. Majorly positively affected me. I ended a toxic relationship of eight years. I ended a toxic business relationship. I lost 50 pounds. I reshuffled my viewpoints on life. My paradigm shifted massively. I got into podcasting as a passion and uh, decided that like, because I knew I had another lease on life, it made me realize and appreciate that even if I have challenges, you know, to make the best of yeah. it. Yeah. Which, I mean, I guess that's a good thing to come out of it. Cause I mean, a lot of people go for, go, have cancer and then like afterwards, they never see anything positive about it. It's just the worst thing that ever happened to them. And yeah. even if they survive it, which God bless those who do, but they just, they, the rest of their lives is negative because of it, because, oh, I'm a survivor. I, I mean, I'm sure there's some like you who take it positively, but not everybody's going to see it that way because there's a lot of negative Nancy's in this world. But it's how you it's how you view it, I guess, how you look at it, you know. So you said you got over. a. I mean, I know this isn't really paranormal to begin with, but <laughs> it's, it's actually interesting. And I want to go on it. You said you got over a toxic relationship, a couple, actually. So did you actually forgive those people or did yes. you just. I forgave them in my own way. I. You know, it's hard to sometimes forgive, especially if you're hurt and you're dealing with painting. Like my dad, I never had a relationship with my dad. And then he passed away. And it was during the pandemic that he asked me to forgive him in a dream, a series of dreams. And he literally came to me in a dream and gave me the last four digits of his credit card number that my aunt had still at the time she was alive. She passed away a year ago. And I remember telling her the last four of the number and she verified that she had the last four of his debit card credit card in her wallet that was his wallet so i knew it was him passing you know coming through passing messages and this is an alcoholic drug addict guy that never did anything in a responsible way for me as a child and i never had a relationship with him and he came to me a couple of years ago during the height of the pandemic and asked if i'd forgive him and after i verified it was him and kind of went through a process i decided to yes forgive him not only that but to reconnect with him in a way then now I can say I love my dad and I could say that every day that I am alive, I think of him in a fond way and I let go of that negative aspects of what he put me through in life. So if you want to talk about that as a way of showing through a paranormal way of how you could forgive someone and let them go, that's probably the best example right there. Which, I mean, that, that is a good example right there. And I mean, I've, I've heard other people tell me like that they've helped people reconcile with their parents or with their deceased lovers or siblings like after death because they find a way for them to reach out and t contact them and it's a, it's a great thing it's a very emotional great thing but i mean i personally would love to talk to my father but i don't know i just <laughs> i'd love can. to talk to my I will say you can on your own. You don't even need a psychic. Anytime you speak, they listen to us. We're their reality show to them. So when we're on the other side, uh, they watch us. I, and anyone who feels like they need to say something like we're frozen in time, you know, from the day they died, I wasn't able to spend that moment with them. I needed to do because I was too busy doing X, Y, or Z. They'll say, 
Don't hold on to that. Just like you know that it wasn't stuck in time then, time is fluid. Well, time doesn't exist on the other side. So if there's anyone who wants to talk to their loved one, they can do it at any time in any moment. They just need to know that that's definitely something that is real. Which I agree with that, but I mean, I just, I mean, it's it's funny because what you just said kind of made me think of like the movie Monkey Bone with Brendan Fraser, where like all the dead or dead people are like watching our nightmares and dreams, like in like a crystal ball, basically, and well, they're taking bets, they're taking bets on what's going to happen next. But... It, it, it's it's more simplistic than that. It's just that anyone you love in your life, love is a force of of nature, like gravity and synchronicity. And if you love somebody, it's an umbilical cord that connects us to the other side. So. Let's say my grandfather, for example, and I want to communicate with him. Well, I just talk to him and I know he's there because they're like a low signal Wi-Fi. Like you just they're just there all the time. And the the more we can tune into them by, you know, clearing out our extraneous thoughts and meditating and praying, it's like eliminating light pollution to see the stars. You go out to the countryside to look at the stars at night. Well, you do that. So you eliminate the light pollution that can interfere. Well, people who don't feel like they can connect with their loved ones. I would just say become more contemplative, be more present-minded, meditate, clear your mind. Over time, you'll you'll find you can connect. I believe from just my own experiences. I mean, I'm a, I'm a full believer in that too, just because I've talked to enough people that do it. I myself just I don't know. I I have a hard problem clearing my mind. That's the biggest issue. Is clear my mind's like a huge thing because I always have so much going on between my job, my podcast with the S multiple podcasts I'm on, like I'm on like four. So oh. it gets, and I have two kids and a wife to take care of. So it gets hectic as hell, but it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to clear. It's, it's, it's hard to just sit there for a moment and clear your mind. And usually my mind is clear. It's because of some in substance. I just inhale. We're designed, we're, we're designed to have our minds clear if we allow it to do so. And I believe we're designed. It's natural to be able to talk to our loved ones on the other side, I believe. And I feel like, it's just us that we limit our own interactions because either we get too micro-focused in ourselves or we're not able to zoom out and see the connections that exist. At least that's how I view what I've experienced in the last 15 years of doing this. Like when I read people and the reading goes real well because the person can connect with the other side. When I pick up on their you know, loved ones and stuff, they can feel the energy flow versus someone who feels shut, shut off. The difference is how how much work has that person done within themselves to free them up? Like you said, you could I know anyone could do it over time. It's just a practice thing. It's like going to the gym and putting muscle on. You're not going to walk in and bench press 275 pounds the first time you sit on the bench or lay on the bench. You're going to have to start somewhere. And the same thing with intuitive stuff with us, like any of us that want to connect with our loved ones. I want to meditate more, be more grounded and present focused. It, it takes time. It's t- I've been doing this stuff for almost 20 years. So for me. I can do it. And I realize that the more I do it, the more I enjoy it. Other people might need to take a process to start from, you know, the ground floor and work their way up in the course of their spirituality. Of course. But what do you say to those who say they want to be able to hear their loved ones talk back to them? Still the mind, quiet the mind. Um, Don't doubt what you get. You know, I think the difference between somebody who calls themselves a full-blown psychic and someone who's oh, I dabble and be intuitive and I get messages is how much of the information are you discounting versus believing and how much confidence do you have in it? If you have a lot of confidence in it, you could probably uh, feel pretty comfortable with the information you pick up. But if you doubt yourself, you're going to discredit anything that comes through. 
So the way I look at that is it, it really depends on the person, but I feel like everyone has their own levels. Yeah, I'm I keep saying I gotta find like a coach or something that can like get me through all like the processes I need to get through to get to that point. Cause I swear to God, they tell me I can do it, but I just I have a hard time. I think it. you know what? Have you ever driven in traffic and get stuck in traffic? I have many times living in the Northeast or oh. living here in Florida. Oh, I, I live in Massachusetts. You kidding me? Okay. <laughs> but when you're in traffic and you're stuck there and you're listening to your favorite tune on the radio or whatever it is you're doing, at some point you might zone off. You know, zone off, or your mind may wander. That's a form of meditation, whether or not we realize. Any shift in consciousness is the most simplistic form of meditating we do. So when you daydream. And if your mind shifts focused and you're driving and you're stuck or you're on an airplane and all of a sudden you're dozing off slightly, that's a form of meditation. It's just whether or not you accept that that is what it is. We all can do it anytime you shift your consciousness from the present moment to somewhere else, even if it's stillness. That's what I consider meditation. And that's what I feel like you could get more in tuned. So we're all prone to it. It's just how well do we do with it? Makes sense. Makes sense. So you mentioned premonitions in the beginning of this episode, and I, I've been, I for one have had, I had premonition dreams when I was younger all the time. Like it was never anything vital. It was always just stupid stuff, like a conversation in school, like three weeks down the road or something like that. But I'm a big fan of premonition because I've had, I've had it happen to me, not in recent times, but I've had it happen to me in the past. And what do you think is the power of those? Like, can we actually learn to like control them and to actually show us things that we need to know? Great question. I love it. I love premonition dreams. And when they come in, I believe they exist for a reason to give us glimpses of our own path. Either they'll give us some, like in my case, I got to call myself, Jason's like the social psychic from a dream like this. Or you may have a dream where you say it's a conversation three weeks down the road, but that can give you a glimpse of three weeks down the road and maybe give you a chance to focus on whatever it is around that dream you picked up on. So for me, premonition dreams, they exist for a reason. And, and the way I say they exist, if you think about when you go about your daily routine and every now and then a rainbow appears, right? And you're driving and you see this rainbow and you're like, oh my God, look at that beautiful rainbow. Well, a skeptic could say, yeah, well, that's because it rained and there was some sunlight that amplified the crystals of the water and created the rainbow. And I would just say, enjoy the rainbow. There's a sign there from that. And it's it's there for a reason. So the way I explain premonition dreams are they exist for a reason, just like a rainbow. And you could try to break it down and, and analyze it and say, well, they exist because this, this and this. I'd say appreciate it and look at it as a sign of what it is, even if it's a premonition dream for a three week down the road conversation. Well, that's showing you that you have some type of innate ability that you could draw on in the long term for yourself if you start putting the pieces together to kind of learn how to use that dream type sequence to understand it and how to make it applicable in your life to enrich either your life or someone else's or both. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I could see that it's just, you know, when you're a kid and you have these dreams and like it's conversations that I wasn't even involved in, it's just random conversations. Oh, it, overwhelming. it could be fully overwhelming. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't that they're overwhelming. It's just like literally I'd be sitting in class like a month later and it'd be like, wait a minute, I, this conversation happened before, but it was in my head. <laughs> like what the hell? <laughs> and it would be always be the most, innate stuff in the world it would never be anything that had anything to do with me it would just be <laughs> people around me having these conversations or doing something stupid and 
like I would just see it ahead of time and it just people, made no sense. People always act with me when they have a premonition dream of some sort. They're expecting some grandiose message of great significance might be coming through to them. And I'll be like, it may not be anything like that. It might literally be like all pistons are firing and you're getting a premonition dream to remind you that you have premonition dreams and to pay attention to them. Just like the engine light goes on, doesn't mean you have to get a new engine. It might mean you need to bring it in because the sensor went dead. Well, yeah. in our own intuition, maybe we're getting a premonition dream over something that seems so simplistic. It might be doing that to remind you that you do have this capability. I, li- I like that analogy there. I do <laughs> the check engine light, but yeah, it's just like, you know, why can I ever get the premonition dreams where it's like the winning lottery numbers are going to be on this day. <laughs> but all the time, Like, why do you struggle financially if you can see the future? And I'd say, well, if I was meant to not see, if I was meant to get the numbers, I'd play them. But I don't believe ethically and morally that people who are intuitive should put playing in numbers, even if it makes their life financially easier. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a fabric to all this. There's an order to it. And like I've learned from my vantage point, I used to run away from this stuff thinking I need my life to be basic as a lawyer and I don't need any of these extra ESP type, you know, paranormal things in my life. But then I realized the more I ran, the more I realized it's not about any of that. It's not my ego. It's not about how I perceive it. It's about helping people, working with people, giving clarity and validation where possible, the people I work with in a legit way. And once I realized that and I embraced that, it's it, like everything kind of fell into place. My understanding of what this is all about in my life, at least. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, because, I mean, someone who can see the lottery numbers in their head or something like that, like if they do play them, karma's going to get them in some. I would not want to go out during a thunderstorm. I wouldn't even go out on a cloudy day. <laughs> <laughs> like if I mean, yeah, if if you there is a very thin fabric of reality. And if we try to go against what we're destined to do it's gonna just straight up mess up your karma your dharma whatever you want to call oh yeah it. oh yeah and it's sure. which i personally am a big believer in karma i've seen it my whole I life am too. I mean, never do what you don't want done to you always try to live in that state of balance i'm a libra so i i believe heavily in all that oh yeah i mean i'm well i'm a gemini so i got a good side and a bad side but still it's just i mean i still the same thing like yeah you said it best live the way you want to be like live live the way you want to be appreciated and just yeah i'm not gonna do something i wouldn't want anybody to do to me so that makes sense to me and like karma is a big thing to me like i used to try to give like money to homeless people here and there but after a while like i just started thinking like how many of them are actually going to go buy food with the money and how many i still i still do i still do my mom's left a big imprint on me and she's all about pay it forward and Whatever they choose, if I gave a $5 bill to somebody, if they choose to go use it for food, I would pray that's how they use it. But I believe that if I'm in the right place at the right time and somebody is coming up to me for money and I have it in me to pay it forward and give it back to somebody, then I'm going to do that. And the universe will catch up with everybody in their own way. You know, that's how I exactly. I mean, I used to drive around all around Massachusetts, basically, uh, for my for my job a while ago. And. Like I would see people on the side of the road begging stuff, and like if they if they saw me smoking a cigarette in the car, they'd be like, "Hey, can I get a cigarette?" And I'd be like, "Sure." Like that's something yeah. I don't mind giving you because you're not gonna take one cigarette and go score drugs with it. Like that's just not the way life is. So, well, I mean, if you if and, if you can, and, you know, but that whole that whole logic in my mind, if I'm homeless, I don't know how many people listening have actually been homeless. I've never been, thank God, homeless. But if someone's homeless, 
I just feel like my heart goes out to them and I just want them to, to be in the best position they could be and then surround them with healing light and hope my, it goes, it's hard for me because I go walking here in Tampa and there is a homeless person on every single corner right now because of the way the economy has been. And it, it's, it's rough because you want to try to help people. And I always say the best way I can do it is I'll, I'll give what I can and pay it forward and pray that that person, you know, can utilize whatever it is they need to get their lives together. But I feel as a society, that's something that, I think is pivotal for us as a society to figure out how to best handle those kind of situations. You know, it doesn't fall on the person, it falls on everybody. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, anybody who's homeless, I never, I luckily have never been there. I had a great family who always took care of me. And yeah. I, I eventually just, when I, when I broke out my own, I start, I, I just bought my first house back a year ago, to, a year ago, like congratulations. The last couple weeks weeks <laughs> yeah it's, and i mean even now like i'm struggling financially but and everybody's like oh you should start a patreon for your podcast i'm like i'm not there yet i can't do that no one's gonna give me money for my podcast at this point <laughs> i've had a few sponsors here and there but i can't get like that steady stream i mean come on it's not it's a hard world to break into the podcasting world but i try but we're getting there slowly and so i i mean still to this day though if someone needs help i'm gonna try to help them because even if I'm struggling financially, I'm going to try to give you the little bit I can just so my karma gets a little better. Like, absolutely. It's all, that it's all about karma. Good. Yeah. Which, but speaking of karma, what do you think of synchronicity? Do you, because I've, I've actually done a full episode on synchronicity. It was one of my first episodes I did, but I love you, it. I yeah. love synchronicity. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. I have learned to be guided like a map with GPS. Synchronicity guides me. And how that works, it's a very abstract concept. Um, let's say you're grieving somebody. Let's say you're really depressed. Let's say your mom passed or your aunt passed. I'll say aunt. Let's say your aunt passed and it's been a year since she died. And you're having a really hard year with it. And you're really close to her. And she raised you like a second mom. And let's say that you're really struggling and you... You know the anniversary of the year is coming up and you're dreading it. It's a week away and you start thinking about her and you notice through the whole year, every time you thought about her, you'd have a random dream or you would have something that would, you know, remind you of her. Maybe a song of hers came on the radio after you thought about her once and you dismissed the thought while you were driving home from work. Or maybe as you're in a mall, you smell her perfume and you're like, oh, that's, well, it, it could be anyone wearing the perfume. But it happened to be also in lieu of when you were thinking about her. And then you notice during that week up to leading to the anniversary date that you start noticing not only her perfume and you're around people, you smell the perfume you could think of her. You have thoughts pop in your head about her and you think, oh, well, that might just be because then you have a dream with her. Then you hear a song with her, uh, one of her favorite songs on the radio. All those kind of things happen for a reason. And I consider synchronicity is the connecting the dots between all those breadcrumbs, all those messages and all those cues. So it's a way of piecing for me. Synchronicity is being able to like peel back the onion of our lives, like being able to understand that there's a matrix kind of thing and that we are all a part of it. But then peeling it back and seeing from that layer of what you've peeled back, the validation that your aunt is still around because she's sending you these messages. She's sending you this song. She's sending you all these things because that's her way of relaying back to you through a dream you piece it all together and you can see this kind of communication that's very subtle. It's nondescript. It's not something you're going to be able to pinpoint, 
But when it, all of the series of them happens and you zoom out, you could see through synchronicity that in fact, it may be the one year anniversary of when your aunt passed, but it's a breakthrough because now you realize she can communicate with you in a very subtle way and she's not dead like we think the way dead is. So that's a, an oversimplification of what I think synchronicity is like, but it's also the best way I could explain it to someone who may not have experienced it themselves or if they have, it's that little nagging feeling that you know for a fact the synchronistic moment of when you're thinking about someone who's on the other side and that favorite radio song or music video or movie or a bird on a balcony or a penny on the floor. It doesn't matter to sign the message, the cue, but it's all the same in terms of concepts. It's funny you mentioned the penny on the floor thing because one of my first, I, uh, we kind of had a falling out, but one of my first episodes was with a, was with a podcast friend of mine. And he, when he had this thing where after his um, father, mother and father died, he would find pennies on the floor constantly, like in places where no one would drop a coin. That's a and message just... from my, that's a message from beyond. My grandfather does the same thing with me. I was contemplating, oh, should I move to a larger office space a couple of years ago when my money was up and down? And I found pennies afterwards, right after I asked that question myself, I found a penny by the car door. I found a penny inside the car and I found a penny in the restaurant I sat at afterwards. And none of those places would be like where you would see those kind of things. It's just like the answers come in a certain way that lets you know that. Yeah, I mean, and he also saw like the clock would always say like 11. Oh, 11. synchronistic times, angel numbers. Those are huge too. While yeah. we were just talking a few minutes ago, we were talking about a point and it was 3333 in terms of the amount of time we're live on the show right now. And I noticed, I didn't get a chance to bring it up because we were thought about something, but every time I give a reading or I talk to somebody and then there's a, a time frame reference, it always reinforces whatever I'm talking about. And I feel like that's the universe's way of showing a wrinkle of validation with angel numbers. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm big in a synchronicity. I think it exists 100%. I just, it had, it had happened to me once in a while, like back when I had cable, like I'd be thinking about my dad and all of a sudden, like I'd be flipping through channels and there's a James Bond movie on, which was his favorite movie series ever. There you go. No, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. In the simplistic form, that's it right there. I mean, yeah, I guess you could put that up to chance because there is a James Bond movie on probably one a weekend at least on some channel. But A chance I would mean, be during the Christmas holidays, the day after Christmas, you see the famous, your favorite Christmas movie on. That's chance. Yeah. But I mean, eh, I, get, I guess. I mean, I... Uh, I don't know. But I went so long before I did this podcast with not believing in any kind of higher power, not believing in anything that like it's hard for me still to accept things that I know nowadays are true. No matter because... how hard our lives are here on Earth, I could tell you there's definitely a higher power dictating above us, leading us in our own path because I've seen it firsthand. And I, I at least I can speak for that, whether or not anyone else chooses to understand it. I can say when you go through like cancer and we all have gone through, you know, different things in the last few years, I feel like there's a purpose to it and there's an order to it. And even if it doesn't feel like it's all working out at that moment in time, there's a larger purpose behind everything. I feel like. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that now after talking to so many people who are psychics and everything else in this paranormal field, I've talked to so many different people that like, I, it's funny because some psychics me used to talk to, I get like a feeling in the middle of my head I can't push away. 
and my vision goes a little blurry for some of them, even even if I'm not drinking or anything like that. Like it's just my vision goes a little blurry, and I'm like, I. They all say, yeah, it's my, it's my calling to like accept something bigger than myself. But but usually when one of your senses are deadened slightly to allow for a psychic sense to come in, that's usually a spiritual thing. Like when I do a de- when I do a reading, or if I want to tune into somebody, I'll take three deep breaths. I'll close my eyes a little bit, but I'll usually dull once one sense, even just ever so slightly through breath work and dulling, you know, dulling the sense a little bit that allows me to tune in and, and kind of pick up things. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's cause I'm talking to someone who does that and like they, like their abilities kind of like leaning on mine a little bit, or I don't know. I mean, it's weird. Cause when that happens, usually at the end of the recording, like after we go off live, the psychics would be like, I have a message for you. And it's led to some weird messages from people I never expected to get messages from, but still, like, it's just. And I kind of like that when people come to me for a reading and they're like, I want you to pick up on the two words I last said to my dad before he died. And I say, well, I understand you want me to do that, but that's not how spirituality works. It's not like it's a button I press and that exact phrase will pop in. Whether or not your dad wants to relay that to me or if someone else is going to come through to relay something to me, it's a force of nature, spirituality. And it's not static. But I have people thinking that if I'm a real psychic, I'll be able to pick this up for them. And I'll say that's not how it flows, at least not in my experiences of doing this thousands of times. You can't just go to a psychic and ask them, can you pick up my dad's name? And what was his date of birth? And what address did we live at? Just the numbers. Like I have people ask me questions like that. And sometimes I'll come up with answers, but it's not like it's not like a 20 question type experience. It's meant to be connecting us to people on the other side so that we don't grieve them. And we understand our bigger purpose in terms of connecting with each other. Which I get that. I mean, it makes sense. I, but I think people have been so, they've seen so much in Hollywood about what psychics can do. And they've been frauded by a lot of the fakes out there because they are out there. I don't think anyone I ever, I don't think anyone I ever talked to my podcast is a fake, but I know they're out there because I've seen them. And I actually talked to um, Corby Milteed. She's a, she actually wrote a book called the yellow brick road like follow the yellow brick road yes. and it's all about it's all about how to tell like a fake psychic from a good psychic so i i met corby i had her on my show before so. oh she's, she's amazing yes i i, yeah, I love yeah. her i love her on but she's amazing and, and i think what she's doing is important work the fact that she's trying to teach people how to find a real psychic versus a fraud who just wants to make Absolutely. money off you but so and i agree actually, with that i think there should be a code of ethics for for, for psychics. We have them as lawyers. We deal with the public interest and as psychics, it's because it's for strictly entertainment purposes only, <laughs> right? That's what we have to say. And we have to be limited on how we, how we read people. But reality is psychics should have a code of ethics. They should have something that holds them accountable that if they perjure or if they, you know, if they somehow rip people off, they should be held accountable beyond just an attorney general or something with a state legal action, criminal action. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. They should every every business should have a code of ethics, no matter what they are. I mean, podcasters have codes of ethics. It's kind of unspoken, exactly. unwritten, but we have it, as you well know. I mean, we're not going to allow our not, we're not going to allow our guests to come on our show and just spew hate speech or something like that. Right. Like that would be like that's a code. Like we don't do that because we well one we don't want those listeners and two because I mean it's just not right. 
but we keep talking about life after death. And I've heard a lot of different theories on this, but what do you think happens after we die? Great question. I love this question. So I'll probably present a, a theory that you haven't heard before in terms of description, but it's just my own way of referencing. So I believe all the people I've communicated with on their side, they give me a pretty simplistic way of explaining life after death. It's like falling asleep on the couch while watching TV is a transitional part of it. So think of you and I talking right now. And after this, you choose to go watch TV and sit on your couch. And you just happen to watch one of these shows that puts you in this lullaby and you're so relaxed and you're content. We just did our show and you fall asleep. And you're now on the other side, not saying, you you know, that's what death is like for people who die. Whether or not, I mean, keep in mind, they don't come back and advertise it. But that's the frame of reference I've gotten from the readings I've done as a medium over the years. And so what I mean by that is if you think that you're breathing right now, you are. But would you pay attention to your breath unless I said you're breathing right now? Most of us, it's automatic. We breathe and we take our breaths. Well, if I was to tell you that when you cross over, it's that automatic, just like the breaths we take when we're alive that we don't pay attention to. And I mentioned earlier, like when you're stuck in traffic, your mind may kind of go from one transitional state in consciousness to the next. Well, that's how death works as well. It's like a shift in our conscious state when our body and the spirit separate and the actual like conscious awareness of it would be falling asleep on the couch while watching TV. It happens so seamlessly, so fast and so non-eventful that when people cross over on the other side, we have a greeter and our greeters, another relative that we know is on the other side and they volunteer to be our greeter and they introduce us to what life is like without a body limiting us. And that we're pure energy connected to everything else in the universe, which means we can communicate with our loved ones. We can watch our our grandson paint a wall. We could watch our our, our daughter taking her other kids to the game or we could watch, you know, it, it's unabounded. And I've had literally readings where people come in and pop in and talk about the things that that family member has been doing for two weeks to let them know that when you think of death, you think I'm in the ground or you think I'm dust to dust. If I was dust to dust, then how did I know that you went and played the lottery last week and that you took the money and didn't tell your wife about it? Like crazy stuff like that, they'll come through and say, you won 300 bucks and you threw it in a side account, but didn't tell your wife, uncle blah, blah, blah is watching you. He knows you're doing that. He's not telling you to call you out to make you feel uncomfortable. He knows you painted the wall blue in the other room because he knows you hate gray and that you had an argument with your wife about the paint because she thought she didn't like the way it looks and you need to repaint it. But He's saying, you know what, you might want to get someone else to do that professionally because he's noticed it and he's telling you your wife isn't happy about it. That's the kind of stuff they pop in and tell us all the time. Yeah. So it's, it's funny you say that about the fall asleep watching TV thing because before this show, when my other show didn't work out, I went back I went back into the living room and was watching uh, Rugrats with my daughter <laughs> because okay. she, she, loves, she loves the old school Rugrats when I was a kid. And I don't mind watching it because it's just good cartoons. But, oh, yeah. Like, it's just, like, I, it's funny, because I fall asleep on the couch all the time, and my wife's like, my I, w I wake up a little bit while later, my wife's like, did you fall asleep? And I'm like, no. So, in the future, if anyone asks, have you ever died and come back, you can say, yes, I did. And they'll say, oh, my God, what was it like? Anytime you fall asleep on the couch or watching TV, that's what it's like. Could you imagine if that's what everyone understood death to be like? It would be such a non-event. We'd all be like, why did we all worry and fear and and, and make such a big deal about this, right? Exactly. I mean, well, I mean, 
I would think it's a little bit different for those who are dying, screaming in pain, like, like you know, like. I mean, the first thing. Well, there's a limit to the pain, is what I'm trying to tell you too. Even when someone's dying and writhing and screaming in pain, when the time the actual body separates from the soul, you're not feeling pain anymore, and the soul cocoons. The body is one thing, but the soul cocoons to the next place. So you really, you know, people who have violent deaths. A lot of times, the parent, the the children, whoever's left over. They beat themselves up thinking, oh, my God, my loved one died. And they were, you know, horrified going through this torture. Going, And I'm like, yeah, well, they don't want you to think of it that way. Because for them, even if they had a motorcycle accident, a train injury or an injury from getting hit from behind by a train, they don't remember it that way because they got to the next spot before, you know, the rest of that happens. So, you know, once the body separates from the soul, you're done. You're not here in the body anymore. And it's just a vehicle. If you think about graveyards think of junkyards because that's what i believe the body is when we leave it it's like a vehicle that's left that decays it's like basically you wouldn't go to the junkyard to visit your first car from when you were 17 or 16 if you're 50 because you know that's your first vehicle that's how i look at our bodies which makes sense to me i mean yeah i mean cemeteries are the like rotty dangerfield said in Shack, cemeteries and Country clubs, the biggest waste of real estate in the world. But, <laughs> but I mean, it's just. I can agree with that. I always compare cemeteries to junkyards. So I mean, yeah, you it's... go decorate a, a slab in the ground and call it a tombstone and say that's where your relative is and that's the only place you could talk to her. I'd say you're really hurting yourself there because you could talk to her from your couch any time of the I mean... day, any day of the week, any day you know of the year. It doesn't matter. You could talk more with your loved one than when they were here. And they're like a captive audience because they're connected to you. But you got to believe that. Exactly. I mean, I try to explain. My grandma's like that. Like, she thinks she has to go visit my grandfather at the cemetery for the last 12 years now. Like, once a week, twice a week at least. Like, originally it was, like, every day. And I'm like, I tried to tell her once. My like, grandma, he's, there's nothing in there except decaying bones and probably overrun by bugs. But... I mean, yeah, they got the steel box, so maybe there's not bugs in there yet, but there will be eventually. But who he is just... is around her all the time. Exactly. I mean, and it's funny. My grandfather actually, the same grandfather actually appeared to me in a dream two nights ago, and we were at some in the in the dream we were at some house I never saw in my life before. But and he had a thicker mustache than I ever saw him with in my life. But I actually had to fight my wife that night before and. He said to me in the dream, like it was the last thing I remember before I woke up. He was standing on like a staircase on top, like over a railing, like as I was leaving, talking to me. And he just said to me, he's like, Jeremy, if she's unhappy, let her go. If she's unhappy, let her go. And like, that's the last thing I remember is him saying that to me in that dream. And I was like, I woke up to my wife what he said. And my wife and I, her face was just like priceless. And I was like, I'm like, do we need to talk? But (laughs) I mean, we had a fight night before. So, I mean, our fights can get vicious, but I mean, they usually heal in a day or so, but I mean, I'm a man. I F up, but when you love someone a lot, you're going to have disagreements and fights happen. It's how you get back from that. Right. How you make up. Especially when you're raising kids. Yeah. Oh yeah. Especially when you're, when you're raising kids, you fight over how to raise the kids constantly. It's just how it is. But let me ask you this. Do you believe in reincarnation? Yes, I do. Because, because I've heard multiple people tell me that they 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 know because spirits have told them that 
the great beyond up there is basically like a waiting room and all these spirits are waiting around to be reincarnated unless they have reached their highest potential then they can actually move on to a resting place for spirits kind of i have my own unique angle on reincarnation or past lives as they call it in the different terms and I, I would just say this. I've come across certain people in my life that I feel like I've known from a prior life that I just mesh with so well and I can work so well with them that it makes it like there's no other way to understand that. But to think there must have been a prior life that we knew each other, because how well can we go past? You know, we all have walls up with each other. And how is it that certain people can really get through those walls as compared to others? And how is it that people fall in love at first sight, for example, or have that perfect friendship slash relationship where they have a work spouse, so to speak, and they can work so well together. Right. But then there's other people you try to date and you just don't see each other at the same way you should. So I believe there is something with that. I think that there is a spiritual connection you could have with somebody and it, and it may be extremely confusing to why does this exist with this person, but not with that person. But I've kind of chalked it up to say that I recognize the patterns when I have someone like that in my life, that it has to be a residual past life, uh, reincarnation or something like that. But I, the way I take it is I don't delve that deep to say, oh, that person must have had a past life with me. And because I feel like we might have multiples. I, I look at it as honoring it. The universe is introducing me to this person for a reason. I'm supposed to have a special relationship with them in this lifetime. And it makes me recognize it easier. Which I agree. I can, I can see the point behind that because, I mean, it's funny. My best friend who I lived with back in like... We lived together like in 2014, 15. We finally moved in to get we he finally moved into my house after my dad moved down south. And like we were living together in this trailer in the in this mountain in New York. And like we're we're the best of friends though for years before that. And he had, he sadly died when the trailer burned down after I moved out like in 2016, 17, somewhere around there. And it's funny though, I used to always joke with everybody and be like, Yeah, he was a female in his previous life and we were married. But I mean, so your connection, you've probably felt that because I mean, we were very close, and I mean, I was one of the few people that could put up with him. He was a grade A asshole, but I was one of the few people who could put up with his sense of humor and his view of the world because I was, I had a similar view of the world at that point, somewhat. But it's just like, it was, it's funny because it's funny you said that because that's made me think of him like right away. Like, we in a previous life, we had to be friends too because as soon as we met each other. There's no other way to explain that kind of like twin flame connections or people have a runner and a chaser and the person runs from you and you're, you might've only met this person like three times, but it's chaotic nonetheless. And there's this, they're always on your mind and you're always on their mind, but you don't know whether or not you're on each other's mind unless you actually slow down and talk to each other about it. I've had so many people tell me about their twin flame dynamics or soulmate challenges as you call it. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, I mean, there's also my cousin's husband who we, we always, the family always jokes around and says that we're each other's boyfriends because we go, I'll steal, I'll steal him away from her, from her all the time to go to the movies with him and see like Marvel movies and whatnot. But, <laughs> and it seems like we're meant like to do that type of stuff. Like ever since I met him, like we became best friends kind of, but that relationship has kind of died with, since I moved in with my wife and her kids. So, I mean, <laughs> but you know, kid, kids kill all your relationships. So. <laughs> but that's the way it goes but we are getting close to the end here but i want to ask you this though what is your favorite part of being a psychic slash intuitive like what's your favorite part like what brings you the most joy out of it just like us sitting on this doing this tonight never a dull moment 
always has something that you can talk about, talk to. Um, it's a, it's, it's the perpetual icebreaker, I'll call it. Like I had a couple of years ago, I went to my best friend's wedding and I was the informal entertainment without even realizing it. Cause she just kept telling people at the wedding that I'm a psychic and they'd come up to me. And it's so funny when people find out you're a psychic, they look at you a little like guarded and they'll kind of come up to you, but they'll be kind of a little hesitant and they'll, they'll be like, I'm a skeptic. I'm like, okay, well, do you pick up anything about me? What do you see for me? I, or I'll have somebody say, I always thought I was psychic. Is this what it's like? Like, so you always have like from both spectrums, you have the skeptic that wants you to read them, right? Or you'll have the person that thinks they're psychic themselves that wants to confirm with you their experiences of being psychic. And I love both because I feel like you could talk to the skeptic and show them that there's more to their lives than just the 3D world we live in. And the person who is intuitive, that's trying to become more intuitive, there's so much to work with that because you could go through all your real life experiences uh, like we were kind of doing in this interview today, like comparing notes. And, sh and that's how we learn to appreciate these things. And in my opinion, when it comes to paranormal things, my goal is to make the paranormal normal. Like, why do we have to call anything spiritual paranormal outside of what's normal? That's just like us talking about death. Like, I look at death as a, as a, as a transition where so many other people think that's where it all ends. And it's not. It's not where it all ends because how the hell would I be able to pick up on all these other people from the other side for all these years unless I have a damn well imagination that's very inventive, creative, and accurate. And I don't give myself that much credit. So from my vantage point, <laughs> I think it makes it entertaining because I get to meet cool people like you and talk on your show. And I get people on my show that, that I just feel like it's the glue that fits it all together. And this lifetime for me, I'm meant to be a psychic and an advocate for psychics to talk about the positives of it and encourage people not to be afraid of it. And if you're a psychic yourself, don't run away from me because you can do a lot of good for others. Exactly. And I feel like you just stole the tagline from my show there, though. I didn't need to. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's a good it's uh i love that <laughs> you know you're not the first guest to do that but i love when they do it because it's like it gives my show more meaning because the name oh, makes yeah. sense absolutely <laughs> but, <laughs> it falls right in the play it's reality I, as soon as you said that i was smiling so big i was like motherfucker <laughs> 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 but like i love when people do that it just like i've actually had people in the show strip say like paranormal is the new normal and I'm like, you're like uh have you just read the tagline underneath where we're talking right now because it's right there and it's on spotify <laughs> i i mean i mean i took out the is because they're because it just sounded better without the is but <laughs> <laughs> you can be like oh but, you yeah. read well you can read right across the bottom of that screen right there well i mean everybody knows me in my show when they come on a course but it's just funny because it's like i mean well that's i'm actually and that's why i did the show i did because in my mind the paranormal is becoming more and more a regular thing now that more people are willing to talk about than they were 50, 40, 30, 20 years ago even. I'm not going to say 10 because 10 years ago it started getting big. But 20 years ago, when I, when I was a kid in the 90s and the 2000s, you were lucky to find a, any show about Bigfoot, aliens, Lockness, any of that. How about the X-Files? That was like the biggest show of the 90s and it was the biggest like, woo, taboo, X-Files, right? And it made its heyday because it was able to be in that area and make it more mainstream than we realized. Funny story behind that, actually. As a kid, I used to watch all the animation domination before they called that on on uh, Sunday nights on Fox and like Simpsons and King of the Hill and all that. And like when the X-Files would come on, though, 
that theme song would scare the shit out of me as a kid. <laughs> and I would turn off the TV and run to my bedroom and put on Nickelodeon. Like, it, that's how no much it's... Files. No more <laughs> Like, the, the theme song scared me when I was a kid. Like, the... You know what's funny? Now, 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 as you said now, that, now. I heard the song in my head. Like, I know that yeah. song so distinctive. Most of us know that song because I have this thing. I mean, in the... Early to, in the late in the late two thousands, I watched all of it on Netflix, and I loved it because I got into the paranormal at that point. But it, I mean, I was always in the paranormal, but I just was old enough where I could like enjoy it, and I, fi- I finally had like a place I could watch all of it without getting having to go to the video store and rent every freaking VHS or DVD to watch it. But it's just absolutely so. So I, I mean, I love Mulder and Scully. Don't get me wrong, but I do. <laughs> we're actually doing on my music show. We're actually doing a TV theme songs bracket uh, this weekend a two-part thing on Saturday and Sunday. And X-Files, I believe, is in the... No, X-Files is going to be in the part... It's going to be on next year in part three and four because the list I have is huge. But... That's great. I mean, yeah, I love the theme song X-Files, but... <laughs> I, it was my ringtone for a long time. But back in the day when ringtones mattered... You know, but, think of it this way. You put a ringtone like that on your phone, let's say, you know, you get your oil changed, you leave your phone down and walk away and everyone looks at you when you go pick up that ringer you know that they know you like the x-files because that this thing oh yeah so same as back in the day my ringtone when i was a teenager was undertaker's theme song because everybody knew i liked undertaker but back oh that's going back but (laughs) uh going to memory lane here but well i want to thank you for coming on jason you've been an amazing guest and i've had a lot of fun doing this show i mean it's been a great hour thank you so Tell them where they could find you, your podcast, yeah. just sell yourself. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. I want to thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and let you know. Um, I have a couple of shows myself I'm working on. The Social Psychic Radio Show is my original podcast. It's going into its fifth season. Um, that's actually moving over to our producer, Electrocast Media, shortly. And I also have what's called the Paranormal Universe Network, which is a network for any podcasters with paranormal programming we're setting that up with our sh- with our producers as well. And I'm bringing my show on as like the signature show for it. But we're offering a safe place to help podcasters that want to monetize their shows. That's coming up as well. And then I have a, and if anyone in your audience is interested in that opportunity, you could reach out to me and I'll be happy to explain how that's all working. We're launching the Paranormal Universe with Electrocast Media probably between now and January. And then um, we'll talk. The, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And then Psychic Visions is uh, a new show that I've been working on this past year with the same producers and my best friend, Megan Kane. And that's coming out hopefully uh, before the end of the year as well. We have some putting out a new show takes a lot more effort sometimes, as you know. And so I have those three things going on. And if anyone wants to reach out to me, you can find me on social media, the social psychic, uh, psychic visions podcast on, on Instagram and the paranormal universe network will be coming out and being launched shortly thereafter. So. Once again, I thank Jason for coming on. It's been a blast of a show, and I am so happy I found him. But as all my listeners know, you can find me on Facebook as Paranormal New Normal slash Maniacal Music Musings podcast with a S Facebook group. You can find me on Twitter and the gram as at Juggalo Bastard. And you can find me on TikTok as Juggalo Bastard Podcast. Paranormal episodes are not up there yet, but they will be eventually. Gotta finish getting the music ones up. And you can find us on YouTube as Paranormal New Normal. Very simple way to find us there. All my videos are uploaded there the day the podcast released. And I would like to thank my listeners for listening. And please come back in half a week to hear your next episode. And once again, 
one final time. Thank you, Jason. It's been an amazing episode, and I, it's been such a fun episode. I loved it. Thank you. So, appreciate you so much for having me on. I really do. Thank you. My pleasure. And listeners, I will catch you next time. Have a good one. <laughs>